Welcome to episode six of Around the League. It's a beautiful Saturday morning, and I'm here with my man, Tuan. We're excited to break down some hot topics around the league because the NBA never sleeps. But before we dig into the nitty gritty, let's check in with our boy. Tuan, what up, man? Not too much, baby. Just glad to be, you know, awake, up early in the morning, doing this pod with you. Really wouldn't be anywhere else right now. Yes, sir. I'm excited to break, break down some hoops. Um, Low-key, this was one of the more entertaining weeks in the NBA, I'd say. We had some crazy PG battles that involved Luca and Steph, Luca and Trey. Uh, but before we branch out into the rest of the league, let's start by talking about the Raps. Because it's been an interesting season so far with them. They seem to be trending in the right direction, going back to their winning ways. Before we do that, I just want to shout out Vince Carter. Because he started the Vince Carter Foundation in Toronto for students. Um, and it's like a $25,000 grant for students that are, I think it says here, sports, music, film, fashion, broadcasting, media, that kind of thing. So um, nice to see him giving back. Yeah, no, he's, he's been definitely warmed up a little more within the Toronto fan base. So him doing this, giving back to the community, he has such a strong and long history with the team. So glad to see him doing stuff, you know, outside of, outside of the States and actually coming back to the city and um, giving a lot, a lot more than we should expect from him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, shout out Vince Carter. So yeah, it was announced this week that they're playing in Tampa for the rest of the season. No surprise there. But it's been an interesting start to this season. Siakam is um, starting to get his feel back. He was really struggling to start the season and kind of didn't skip a beat from the bubble. You know, couldn't find his touch, couldn't find his rhythm. And the, and the Raptors were giving up leads you know, left, right, and center. They were, you know, up by double digits, losing those games that you thought were gimmies. But it seems like they're back to their winning ways. They, they're coming off a road trip, four and two, and they're currently six in the East. So a um, couple trends I want to talk about that I'm seeing, and then I'd love to open it up to you and talk to you about what you're seeing. But the first one is obviously Pascal Siakam. In his last eight games, um, he's back to his all-star ways, averaging 23-7 and shooting 50% from the field. So... What are your thoughts? Yeah, he struggled pretty hard in the first few weeks of the season. And I think it's just the fatigue, even from the bubble, from how much they actually played in the past two years. Uh, But he's definitely found his groove in the past, I would say, two, three weeks. Um, He's just being smarter with his shot selection. Early in the season, he was taking a lot of stupid threes. I don't know, stuff that you don't really expect him to, and he's been forcing it a little bit where his three's not like going in, so he's pulling up at the top of the key. He's um, doing step backs and fadeaways and shots that aren't really his go-to. You know, he's more of a guy that can spin in the post five, six times, get his man off his feet and, you know, lay it up. Or he has got that great floater game that he hasn't been utilizing too much. And he's just been getting the free throw line a lot more. Um, Seven a game, I believe, in the last eight games. So him just getting to the free throw line, getting easy buckets early in the in the game, and just staying out, staying out of foul trouble. I know he's fouled out two, three times early in the season when they really needed him in the in crunch time. So him just being able to stay on the floor, um, not forcing the three. If he shoots three, four, four times from beyond the arc, that's fine. Get one or two in, you know. Um, make sure that the defense is respecting your shot, but. He's actually been finishing very well in the mid-range. Um, he does like a Euro, Euro step and either attacks 
or he'll kick it out. And that's an open shot for Freddie, for Lowry, for Powell. So I think he's playing really well. I don't really care about his scoring numbers. If he's just, you know, shooting a respectable percentage. But if he's doing other things like running the floor, uh, making plays or creating opportunities for his teammates and just rebounding on the defensive end, I think that's what you really get asked for because, you know, you got other guys stepping up offensively, so you just need him to do some of the smaller things that kind of made him a all-NBA player last year. Yeah, like I, I've got two things I've written down on him, and the first one is quantity uh, versus quality. And if you look at his shot selection, if you look at his field goal attempts, three-point and two-point, they're pretty much the exact same, but he's just shooting and scoring at a much more efficient clip. And I think it's because he's letting the game come to him. And I credit that to Nick Nurse, and I'll credit that to Norman Powell, who we'll talk about later, because I think a lot of the, a lot of the stress and the burden is no longer on him. For those first 10, 12 games of the season, he was pushing the ball up the floor. He was shooting those spot-up three-point shots. Or sorry, he was dribbling up and shooting those pull-up three-point yeah, shots. Yeah, so annoying. Long rebounds were causing transition for the other team. And now I find when he's shooting the three, he's shooting the same amount of threes per game pretty much, but they're in the flow of the offense. Exactly. So he's shooting some nice spot-up shots, high percentage in his spots that he know that he can uh, score from. Um, the other thing is... I feel like early on in the season, he was catching the ball at the three-point line and trying to get to the rim. And now he's they're sort of pinning him closer to the hoop. Mm-hmm. So he's getting the ball closer to the hoop. He's able to face up. And he's got amazing touch around the rim usually. Yeah. And I feel like he's starting to get that automatic touch back. I, I think a lot of, of it also contributes to his mid-range. He's found his touch again from like uh, the free throw line extended and beyond a little bit. Not, not, not so much necessarily the three. But he's got like that soft touch now around the rim where things are going in. He's just getting more confident, which allows him to run the floor. You know, they're a fast-paced team that is always looking for OG or for Siakam to be running the floor, even Boucher. And I think he's just found those easy buckets early in the first quarter, second quarters of these, these last six road games. And he's just been able to capitalize and kind of create that momentum. I know he went five for eight um, against Washington from the three-point line. So... Um, He's definitely gaining a lot of momentum, a lot of confidence in his game. So I hope it translates, you know, um, towards the All-Star weekend and then pass that as well. Yeah, it's too bad. Like, he's starting to get that momentum a little too late. I, I think his chances of becoming an All-Star this year are kind of shot. Yeah. But um, but either way, like, this is huge for him because, you know, Pascal's all smiles. And he's a guy that plays with a lot of joy. You can always see it on his face. I feel like he's starting to get that joy back. And I think it's starting to come because... Again, he's letting the game come to him, and he's doing what he's good at early. So, you know, he's hitting those bunnies close to the hoop, mm-hmm. um, starting off that way, and then sort of gives himself confidence around the three-point line, right? Because this three-point shooting has improved tremendously, and it did take a dip early on in the season. So um, he's capable of hitting those shots, and um, yeah, things look good for him. Yeah, he's shooting 30% from the three this year, which is a huge drop from the last two years. I know he was shooting... 37 and 36 percent in the two previous seasons for the three so that's definitely a big drop there um and it was worse um five six games ago because he he has been on a little bit of a hot streak uh from beyond the arc uh, during this road trip so i think i'll just eventually average out he'll probably be shooting around 33 34 percent just with that um 
poor shooting percentage earlier in the season. It's probably going to be tough for him to get back to his average from the last two years. But I think, you know, if he's able to make one, two early in the games and just allow that to open up the game for him a lot more, then he can be the Beyblade that he wants to be in the post. Yeah, no, things are looking good. <laughs> what did you say there? <laughs> I said he can be the Beyblade, kind of like spinning, <laughs> spinning machine uh, when he gets in the post. Like, this guy just loves loves a spin move. It works. I'm not going to lie, it works. Sometimes when it does, it just looks kind of, like, awkward and stupid, but um, it's been working for him. Yeah, no, there were, there were times early in the season, or even the bubble, where he looked out of control. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what to credit that to. You know, players do go on funks. His funk just seemed to last a bit longer that it was starting to sort of worry fans and media alike but um, it's good to see that he's got his sort of control back seems yeah, like he the, can control the game again yeah the game's going a little slower for him I think he was being rushed when he got in the post with a smaller guy like Chris Paul those guys would be pulling the chair under him and he'd be traveling I'm like man how are you traveling against these six two six three guys like you should just you know take your time go up with a hook go up with your you know patented spin move into the um, baseline, so he's definitely got his groove back, and yeah, I think that's the huge plus for the Raptors, obviously, with the well, uh, how everyone else is playing. Absolutely, like the the All Stars, or the All Stars look good. The Pascal Siakams, the Fred Van Fleets, Kyle Lowry's, um, but there's a guy that we need to talk about, who I think is the X factor in our success over these last ten games, and that's Norman Powell. Um, there's a stark difference in his play as a reserve versus starter. When he's a starter, he's averaging 19 points a game. He's pretty much a 50-40-90 player, which is which is pretty impressive. And that's off a, that's off a 26-game, here it says, 26-game sample. Mm-hmm. Um, the game becomes a lot easier for everyone when he's playing well. And um, yeah, like I said, I think it makes Pascal's life a lot easier. So what? how do you feel about his recent play? Obviously, you're you're pumped up about it, but what, yeah, do you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, super pumped up. Um... It's weird. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird dynamic that, yeah, he needs to be starting to. He's clearly need, needs to start to uh, play up to his potential. I think he just plays better with the starters, just because they do so much more than the bench guys. That it opens up so much for his game. Um, you know, being around Siakam, Lowry, uh, Freddie, uh, the floor opens up for him, so he can attack the lane, which is which is his thing. He's like slashing, and his three point shot is improved drastically in the last two years I would say and he's just more consistent you know he'll he'll miss one or two but he'll come back and score the next two buckets before he'd go 0 for 7 for a game and you see a very quiet you know single digit production from um, Powell so he doesn't really give you much else on defense like he's really good defensively I just mean like he doesn't give you a lot of like playmaking he's not going to give you like double digit reboundings in certain games uh, he's just a you know firecracker um, a, a, of an offensive player because he'll give you that spark either off the bench or as a starter. You know, I, Nurse definitely wants him to be more productive off the bench. Uh, but you have OG there, and I don't think he's going to start over OG just because of the size, because of the defense, um, the shooting that OG provides. But yeah, I don't know. Like, what do you do? Like, do you now consider trading Lowry because? He just plays so well as a as a starter, stick him in the two, put Freddy at the one, and then OG at the three. Well, right? that's just, a good that's a good point. Like I want to talk about Lowry. Like you have the way the options now because you have a guy that's just so dynamic and he's kind of like um, coming onto the scene now. 
we, we know how good he is in the playoffs. I know how good he is um, during stretches of the season for the last two, three years, but he's never been this consistent. And his shots just look so comfortable. Um, his pull-up, you know, of guys flying out him, at him at the three-point line, he'll just pull up. He'll attack the rim um, from anywhere. Like, he'll be at half-court time or half-court, and if he sees one or two defenders that he can just get by, he'll just do a Euro step or he'll just try to run by them and try to do a pretty tough layup, but he's been making them. So he's, uh, he's definitely been the X factor, um, keeping us afloat while OG has been hurt. And yeah, definitely, definitely something you want to consider if, you know, if trades are on the table for Lowry and you, you have this guy kind of waiting in the back wing to kind of burst out into the scene. And do you do it? Like, are you good enough to, you know, compete in the East or do you want to let these younger guys take control and see how they do this year and then for the following few years? Well, yeah, before we tug on our heartstrings and talk about a potential Kyle Lowry trade. Um, yeah, the two things I want to mention about Norm, Norm Powell is Nick Nurse has to decide um, what identity the Raptors are going to adopt this season. I know in the past it's always been defense first. And we've always had OG as a starter because, you know, he embodies um, the the new generation 3 and D, right? Mm-hmm. But um, if... but. I feel like OG's offense this season has been pretty stagnant. It hasn't really been clicking and it really hasn't been rolling. Um, with Norm in the with Norm in the lineup, like we're as small as a unit as like Houston last year, if you think about it. Yeah. We're a pretty small lineup. Yeah. And I think that one of the things Nurse is gonna have to um, decide in the short term is do we start Norm over OG? Because we haven't really seen OG come off the bench in that six man role, and something tells me that he would play with a chip on his on his shoulder, similar to how Norm plays when he's a starter. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that you got to definitely experiment with because the Raptors don't have the luxury of getting stagnant on offense. Earlier this season, we sort of saw what happens when they go stale. And when they go stale, it looks really bad. When it goes stale, they'll give up a 15-point lead and lose a game. And it was happening consistently over and over again. With Norm playing the way he is, I think you need to ride his offense because there's really... We don't have the luxury of having multiple scores. We really need all we can get on the offensive end. Do you think they should just switch it up and go like extremely small and put Siakam at the five, and then put OG at the four, Norm at the three, and then Lowry and uh, Freddie at the one and two? Because again, the league has been trending upwards offensively. Like teams are allowing, like then what? The Nets are allowing 125 points per game since the Harden trade, and like. We're watching the Dallas and New Orleans games, and it's like 130, you know, to 125 type scores. You guys are going close to like 50 point triple doubles. It's just the league is getting out of hand with with how offensively set or centered it is now. And do you just go small ball and just you know play at that high tempo, you know, short clock shots, um, and just you have these five guys flying around the basket around the court. Um, just doing everything they can because they're so good at switching. Uh, they're so good at defending for their size that you just try to you know play super small ball against a team like the Nets or the team like the 76ers when you get to that stage of the uh, season or if it's at a playoff series. Like, do you just go with your best five guys regardless of... Because Aaron Baines has been terrible. He has been terrible. He's missing so many easy looks um, underneath the basket. He's not making any threes. Something that he, you know, he's done in the past, and he's done well in the past with like the Suns and the Celtics. 
but he's been a liability for sure. He doesn't bring too much um, defensively. So do you just go with those? Your best five players and bring Boucher, bring Stanley Johnson, bring Yuta off the bench, and that's kind of like your your main eight. Um, and you just you know get abused in the paint like they have been. They they've getting abused by like Robin Lopez, uh, by JV. JV had a monster career game against them, but they still won because they were able to outscore Memphis uh, by like 20 points in the fourth because JV was too tired. Yeah, I think uh, one thing they like. They've always had a really high defensive rating. I think this year it's the lowest it's been in like five years. Mm-hmm. I believe it's 13th currently defensive rating. However, their offense is seventh. So they're sort of going all in on on sort of focusing on offense. They got out-rebounded again by Boston like crazy. Yeah. Tice was all over them. Tristan Thompson was all over them on the O boards and defensive boards. So it's definitely something that they've you know, accepted that they're going to struggle with. Obviously, trade deadline looming around the corner. They might uh, make some switches. But, yeah, I think you got to commit to small ball for this team. Yeah, I, I, I would like to see it for, like, a longer period of time. I know they've they've done it for one game where Siakam was um, the starter with, with Powell in there. Uh, but, yeah, they're just getting crushed um, on the uh, defensive boards. So it's obviously a, you know, give and take. I think it just depends on... If Aaron Baines is, is able to provide just a little more, I know limited minutes just come off the bat, like be a starter, but then have um, Boucher come off come off the bench. He's been playing absolutely beautiful. Like what what a what a gem he's been as a as a player for for us. Kind of like a very bright spot. You know, he's dropping 29 and 10 um, every other game. Yeah, uh, it's really nice to see him be like a, a shooting threat out there too. Uh, so I I like to see him get more minutes. Um, and I, I see that trend um, happening where, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't start, but at least he comes in, he ends the games, most of the games, and, you know, Baines, you know, sporadically throwing some minutes here and there just as a backup center or as a, a starter that would give you backup center minutes. Yeah, no, absolutely. Boucher is a stud. And uh, is he in the starting lineup yet or are they still starting Baines? No, they're still starting Baines. Still starting uh, Baines? Baines has, I think, started most uh, of the games that he's been available. I think, yeah, I think he's just much bigger. They don't want to get down too early um, with just a, like a starting center just abusing Boucher in there. So that's my only logical thinking right now is why they would continue that, but that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, you touched on it early, earlier. Um, I want to talk about Kyle Lowry because it's one of those things that you know it's there, but you don't want to think about. His stock is definitely extremely high around the league right now because he's playing fantastic he's actually like our closer right now in games um, he's so reliable in the fourth yeah hitting some crucial three-point shots especially yeah. against Brooklyn um, yeah you know I think we were texting we said build a statue like this guy <laughs> is this guy is playing at maybe I he's playing the best offensively that I've ever seen him because he's no he's not forcing anything no he's he's, he's looks so savvy out there He's making the right decisions, whether he's pulling up for three, taking it to the hoop, dishing dishing um, for a pass. Like He's actually got the game on a string right now. And it's really crazy to see him playing at this level. He might be peak Larry at the moment, yeah. in my opinion. Um, but that poses a big question for the organization because he's going to be a free agent after this year. Mm-hmm. His trade value is exceptionally high at the moment. And um, you know, you got to decide what you're going to do with him. And 
I am willing to bet um, a good amount of money that he's going to be moved by the deadline. I think so too. I think there's just too much battling up top with these Western and Eastern Conference teams. Uh, no one really has a, a big gap like the Lakers and the Clippers did last year, right? Where you kind of saw how big of the discrepancy were between these teams. But if a, if a team like Denver, if a team like, I don't know, Philly, um, a team like Boston is able to get their hands on Lowry, he was a six-time All-Star. He's still, he, he's still playing like an All-Star. The only thing with the Raptors is they have three borderline All-Stars. So, you know, it's not like just one dominant guy and then two, two side pieces. It's more of, we got three solid all, all-star, you know, borderline guys that could make the all-star team depending on, you know, a stretch of games leading up to, to the break. You know, Freddie has another huge scoring output. You know, he just dropped 54 franchise record against Orlando. And if he's able to get, you know, one or two big, big games, he's been dropping 30. Same with Siakam. They've been dropping 30. Lowry's been, like, not averaging, but he's been hitting some triple doubles here and there to still leading the league in charges. Like, all these small things that these guys do, it's incredible to watch when they are clicking. It's just they've been losing it again. Like, they've been losing these very, very tough, close games. If they had won two, three of those games, they'd be third or fourth in the East, and there'd be a lot of more talks for Freddie or for Siakam to be an all-star. But, yeah, I think there's just too many guys um, right now that are so close in, like, talent and skill on the Raptors that it's tough to pick one over the other. But, yeah, Lowry's still playing at a all-star level. He'll, if he doesn't make it, he'll be kind of um, one of the last few cuts there. So who's your, te- who's your, who's your team in terms of uh, a suitor for Lowry? Because for me, I think I'm leaning towards the Sixers. I was reading something the other day. Um, I think a guy like, you know, the Sixers need his leadership. I feel like they could really use uh, everything that he brings to the table. And we could use a guy like Tobias Harris, you know, who can create, um, who's an offensive, you know, hefty contract, but a decent offensive player in the league, sort of filling that void that we need when we're in a scoring drought. Uh, maybe Maxi, what's his name? Yeah, Tyrese Maxi. Tyrese Maxi. Yeah. Uh, bundle up something like that. I in a couple of picks, I think it's a win-win. Yeah, the thing with Tobias Harris is he has a he has a max contract for I think probably like three, four more years. So that's if you know if Philly does uh, to, like trade him, put him in a package. Like, are they really a content contender if they lose him? They would have to probably give up either Maxi. Um, Thibel, uh and some picks. Uh, I like Thibault as a, like a, he's a great defender. Uh, Maxi is a great like offensive rookie. Um, he has potential. So they're able to th- like get one one of those one or two of those guys, some first round, some swaps, whatever, to to uh, incentivize the Raptors. I could see it happening, but they they would be scary if they got Lowry. They would be next level because of how well Embiid's playing. Simmons. Not offensively, but just defensively, just a juggernaut. And if they're able to have Tobias Harris intact there, he's kind of their go-to perimeter scorer. And yeah, they're a scary team if they're able to get to get Lowry. Well, the thing, the thing I think about is the Rapt. If the Raptors are going to move Lowry, they're going to do him a favor and move him to a contender. We have too much respect for oh, yeah, the guy for sure. Um, and I don't think they're going to move him to a team in the West because I don't really think there's a team in the West other than the Clippers that could really use them. I mean, everyone can use them, but you know, the Clippers would probably 
uh, give them the biggest offer. And I don't think the Raptors want to do business with the Clippers right now. What, what about Denver? What about Denver? They have, like, would you take um, either like Barn or um, who's the other kid? Um, the other two guard on the uh, Gary um, Gary, Gary Harris. Harris. Yeah, Gary Harris. You know, he he's always had potential, but now he's playing behind Jamal Murray, who kind of emerged out of those two. Like he still has, he's still young. You know, he was still like a first round pick a few years back, and he still got potential. Do you take Gary Harris? A first first round pick and maybe like um, I don't know they have, they have so much young guys they have Bobo Bo, they have um, I mean it makes sense for the team I just feel like when you're gonna make a move like this you're you're consulting with the player and I feel like for Lowry it'd make a lot of sense for him to go back to Philly think Philly has a lot of pieces that they can offer us that makes sense for our team yeah um, and it puts Lowry in a position to contend uh, right off the bat so I mean that's just sort of where my mind's leaning, but I think that something's going to be done with Lowry by the by the Yeah, it's deadline. either the Raptors are making a push into the playoffs, trying to get someone like a Drummond, um, or trying to find a team that has an excess of big guys that they can use serviceably because, again, their, their big man rotation has been pretty whack. They just released Alex Len, and now he's starting for like the Wizards. And, yeah, Aaron Baines is just having a very, very tough year. Um, and he's definitely like the the weakest link um, to this team right now. Uh, so yeah, they're kind of like just in the middle. They're gonna be hovering around seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth seed, unless they go on like a lo- like a long winning streak here. But it's either trade Lowry, get some future assets back, build with your young core. They're still quite young, 20, 26, 27 year olds. They got three, four years as a window if you're able to find. You know some gems in the draft or free agency get a solid guy you're going to be a top three team in the east for the next few years because you have siakam you have freddie you have og you have norm um so solid young guys that know how to win and have one um and it's just putting that missing piece with them and lowry's just not that guy they need like a legit number one scorer and those are so hard to find it's just how do you get that how do you get there you have the pieces um surrounding that missing guy is just you don't have the main piece right now. So yeah, no, it'll be interesting to see. I feel like the next time we run our podcast, you know, there might be some more intense talks surrounding Kyle Lowry. I feel like he might start coming into the forefront in trade discussions. But yeah. um, before we before we tail off, I want to talk about just the organization as a whole. And you had mentioned something about the nine hundred five earlier, so why don't you go ahead and and uh, talk about that real quick? Yeah, I think it was the other day that they were um, presented with the. G League Franchise of the Year, um, given to um, the franchise that you know is, displays great on and off the court accolades. I know they're always a competitive team. They work and play really hard. You know, um, well coached, um, well managed, and they just do a lot of things for the, the GTA, the Mississauga community. So yeah, they won uh, G League Franchise of the Year, and that's a huge, huge thing for them. Because if we we, under, we understand how valuable the G League is, and I think the rest of the league is definitely pick on, picking up on that. Now they're they're playing in a bubble um, in Orlando, so uh, nice to see that that they're going to get some exposure there. It's going to be a nice young G League elite team that you know everyone's watching with Jalen Green and some of those young guys that skipped out on college and now are playing on this uh, stacked young team. Um, and yeah, they're just awesome for them. Um, 
the develop, development player of the players have been great. You were seeing uh, Malachi Flynn getting some minutes. Um, yeah, dropped, he's playing really dropped, well. dropped 25 last night. That was yeah. his career high. Yeah, so, man, he reminds me a lot of Freddie. Like, just even the way they play, they're not super quick, not super athletic, but they just know how to play. Uh, I know he made some big shots in that game, uh, in the last G League game. So it's it's awesome for them, man. And, you know, we were seeing, like, Nick Stauskas back in there. Hopefully he's able to put in a good run and get back into the league. You know, it's always nice to see um, Canadians... And he's from Mississauga, too, so that's his, like, legit hometown team that he's playing for. So, you know, good for him. Hopefully he's able to, yeah, put up a good stretch of games here. Uh, but, yeah, awesome for the franchise. Just another um, thing to be proud of, especially in the last uh, six, seven years that we're able to develop such a strong franchise that wasn't there um, in the last few years. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're wondering why are we talking about the G League right now, um, it is a big deal because the 905 are a part of Toronto's identity. And the, the G League for Toronto has been a, for, a part of our success formula because we're not a free agent destination. So we have to cul- cultivate players through player development. Mm-hmm. And not only on the player side, Nick Nurse actually cultivates his coaching staff through the G League as well. Right now we have his right-hand man last year, one of them, Patrick Matumbo, who's yep. an assistant coach and now the head coach of... The G League. So it's all part of our development program, whether you're a player or a coach. And I think that other teams in the league are starting to play catch up because this is something that we've sort of been working on over the last five years. Exactly. And it's starting to come to come through fruition so much so that now we're being recognized as the best G League team in the league. And, um, you know, guys like Fred Van Fleet have played in the G League. Guys like Pascal Siakam. Pascal Siakam was playing games in the G League and then finishing those games and playing games in the NBA. Crazy. So that and same with Chris Boucher, same with yeah. Fred Van Fleet. So it's the 905 are synonymous with the Raptors. You know, sometimes in the NBA there's so much disconnect between um, the their G League affiliate and the in the NBA team. Sometimes, you know, there is no crossover. Mm-hmm. But with the with the with the Raptors, I mean, they're they're down the street. The 905 are down the street from the Scotiabank Arena, right? So um, they it's a there's a direct pipeline, and it's beautiful to see these guys um, getting recognition. Yeah, exactly. No, the development for the Raptors have has been huge. We saw that with the the championship and how those guys contributed. So you know, props up to them, and that's awesome. And that's why we never trade picks because. We literally hit home runs every time. Even if it's a late pick in the first or second draft, we're yeah. going to hit a home run. Yeah. We're going to put them in the G League, and they're going to make their way on their roster yeah, most exactly. of the time. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, yeah, I'm hoping. I have high hopes for Malachi Flynn. I, I like his game. I see a lot of resemblance with Freddie, so I'm I'm hoping that he's able to give us, you know, eighty percent of of what we what we're getting with Freddie right now. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I saw actually on Instagram that I found pretty funny was Gary Payton the second. Is on the 905. Oh, yeah. And he posterized someone last night. Yeah, uh, his nickname is The Mitt. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> Come on. Yeah. <laughs> they call him The Mitt. So that, that's hilarious, obviously, with like the play on his, his dad's nickname. But um, he looked good. Yeah, I saw that poster yesterday. So I've been seeing a lot more G League highlights than I, I ever have been. But it's nice to see yeah, teams actually focusing on that young development for, for their, like, minor league team basically yeah and it's nice to see that we've we're sort of the gold standard yeah um yeah no last thing before we move off the raptors is just real quick uh, i just want to touch on masai ujiri uh the, it looks like the counter suit that was filed against him has been dropped 
which is huge for Masai, which is huge for the organization because I feel like this has been a solid weight on his shoulder since 2019 when they won the championship. Yeah. So um, it's just good news. It's good news, and hopefully this can sort of uh, take away some of that distraction and maybe now the Raptors and Masai can now start talking with uh, about an extension with more of a clear head, you know? Yeah, I don't want to yeah, go too much into that, but we saw the video. We saw what happened. He was obviously innocent. I know he he, he got sued. That, that was dropped, and he was countersuing, and I think he's just dropped just because he doesn't want to have to deal with that bullshit anymore. So good for him. I know that's been weighing on him for the last two years. Man, it's, it's tough to watch that video only because... You know, regardless of how many more championships that guy wins in his career as a president or GM or whatever, nothing is better than that first one. And in that moment was robbed away from him. You know, yeah. there's there's no way he's going to get that back. And it's just so unfortunate to see because we know how passionate he is. We know he wears his heart on his sleeve. And no matter how excited he looked that night, there's no doubt that, you know, it was taken away from him because of that moment. Yeah, for sure. No, just an, an unfortunate event, but glad that his his name's off the books now and just continue uh, being the the president of basketball operations for the Raptors. But again, he we had uh, Bobby Webster sign his extension the other week. Still nothing from Masai, so I think it's just you know the the setup for Bobby to be be running the basketball thing if he decides to to leave in the off season. Yeah, I mean, Lowry leaving him aside, I don't think I could handle that, but <laughs> maybe we should, maybe this is a good sign that we should move away from good, the Raptors before things get dark. Good transition, I'm down. Um, yeah. But no, uh, glad we were able to touch on those things. Tough road, or sorry, tough stretch of games ahead for the Raps, but it's nice to see that they're back into the playoff picture, and I don't expect anything different for the remainder of the season. Yeah, even the losses, their uh, two losses in the road trip, you know, still close, still battling, but um, I like what I'm seeing. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Things are looking up. Yeah, let's talk let's talk All-Star game real quick. I feel like that's been bubbling over the last week or so. Uh, a lot of players just coming out and saying that they're not down. Um, yeah. You know, aside from what they think, I think my biggest concern is the fact that Adam Silver and the NBA have dis- and the Players Association have decided to bring the best players in the league into a city that's completely wide open, you know, uh, in terms of you know, people living their lives despite COVID running rampant. Yeah. And just putting the league at risk into you know, the NBA is a star driven league. It's a player driven league. And the fact that the NBA is signing off on an event that's going to put all those players in jeopardy, just it's it's scary for me. Yeah, they obviously weighed the pros and cons and just the money was way too heavy. <laughs> you know, when they weighed it. Do you it, know, just, like, what's at stake? Because I don't. I don't know what, uh, I don't know the exact numbers, but they're definitely. Um, there's a huge incentive to play the game. Just huge incentive just for, obviously, the the promotion of players themselves and the promotions with the league. Um, they would obviously have that weekend just all NBA-focused. They, they want to, you know, still promote the, the, the um, extracurriculars like the three-point contest, the dunk contest, skills contest. They just want to display their players even more, especially in a time where, you know, probably ratings are down. Based on based on COVID and everything, so um, I think they just want to stay afloat and just stay with the momentum that they've been able to gain in the last really the last five ten years. Yeah. As a, as a global league, and if they're able to televise this, have it as a you know game and just because last year's game was sick, the game where you had to win whatever the new rules that they best had. best All Star game Best-y, I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, exactly. So I think they just wanted to ride that momentum. I know 
Le- LeBron's been a detractor of of um, of playing that game, and then everyone's been following. I know Giannis even said during a post game interview when he was asked this question that he said, "Yeah, we're following the big, the big boy, the big man. We're just gonna see what LeBron does. If he plays, we're playing." Same same with a lot of guys. Guys are saying, "Hey, we don't want to play." Like Kawhi's been very vocal about it, saying, "Hey, I we don't want to play. We'd rather be with our families, but." We just know that there's just so much money on the line that you just got to do your job. See, the thing about All-Star Weekend, though, is it's so much more than the game. It's the camaraderie. It's the nightlife, um, which, if players choose to explore, is going to be highly, highly, highly risky. It's going to go against everything that the NBA has sort of put into place for in-game protocol, Mm -hmm. right? So if they're not allowed to dap, if they're not allowed to shake hands, if they're not allowed to do this or that, what are they going to do in the All-Star game? You know, how is this, how is this even yeah. going to transpire? And the other thing I was going to, the other thing I was thinking was if guys are not into it or, you know, they don't have the, um, they don't have the motivation, it's not going to make for a very good game. Yeah. I wonder if obviously guys, if they're not in the all-star game or participating in any of the side events, are they even going to go there and watch, you know, how like in previous se- or seasons, they would have a bunch of. Uh, players from the league actually come to these events even though they weren't a part of, of the festivities and they come and cheer on their boys like I don't think anything's that ha- that's going to happen they'd rather spend it with their family um, go somewhere to Mexico or wherever right so again that, that's going to be a missing piece I'm not sure how it's going to even look how they're going to put together um, a lot of red flags probably the most like um, probably the wor- most outrageous thing that Adam Silver has done exactly uh, in, in his tenure as a absolutely uh, as most a, as questionable thing he's done yeah exactly yeah and I think that you know I still consider him to be the best commissioner in sports um, but if this flops like it's going to definitely be a stain on his reputation and I feel as though with COVID protocol so much of it is follow the leader right and right now I feel like the NBA has done a really good job of gaining the respect from the players in terms of abiding by protocol. And with All-Star Game, you know, certain players that aren't going to be a part of the game, sure, like, how are we going to control what they're doing mm-hmm. off the court? And the players that are at the event, how are we going to control what they're doing off the court? And now I feel like you've kind of opened Pandora's box. And the NBA, over the last, say, two, three-week period, has been extremely entertaining. I feel like they're getting traction in terms of uh, matchups, finding their groove, not as much cases and postponements to games. You know, it's getting entertaining again, and I feel as though they sort of might lose their footing for the second half of the season. Yeah, no, that's a good call out. Uh, I, I totally agree. If, if, you know, there could be a worst case scenario here where one or two guys get it and they just spread it around the league. They come back to the regular season, they miss a bunch of games. You know, just it, it could ruin the timeline. And it ruined the season just because they, yeah, they obviously know how much money is at stake. And I think it's just, that just outweighs everything else. They're, they're taking that risk. And if it works out, just so much more money in their pocket. And, yeah, I just, I just think it's just the, the marketing, the promotional of the, the players, the teams, the league itself is just too much for them to pass on. Um, so business decisions, man. Business decisions for sure. Um, no, I mean, I'll definitely watch it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Um, but yeah, let's, uh, let's sort of, let's talk about the voting. I think the second round of fan votes have come out. Yep. And, um, 
just want to pick your brain. Like, what what have you noticed so far? Um, is there anyone that isn't on this list or not high enough that you want to that you want to mention? Uh, so I'm looking at the the results for the second round. So in the West, it would be LeBron, Jokic, Curry, Doncic, and Lillard, and I'm to- I'm I'm okay with that. Uh, in the East, um, it would be KD, Giannis, Bradley Bill, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. That's that's hilarious. That's just three Nets are instantly in there as starters. Um, my only call out would be Bradley Beal. I know he's been playing well, leading the league in scoring, but this guy is on the third worst team in the league. Honestly, the it's just terrible to watch him play defense. And he's a leader for that team. You know, a few weeks back, I shared a video with you guys where I think he was playing against the Knicks, and he was just not giving a shit when he was on the court, just walking, walking as his team was trying to sprint down the court. Uh, just his hands down, just terrible body language. Um, I just don't think he deserves to be um, in the All-Star game. One, because obviously it's his team's record. But two, it's just, I don't know, I feel like he's really um, playing this off now as, like, he's playing off as a victim now. Uh, they weren't able to surround him with good enough players. But, you know, you have Westbrook, a former MVP, a few years back. You know, he was an All-NBA player last year. Um, you just gotta find. You gotta make it work, and I'm surprised they haven't been able to um, to get anything done with that team. Um, I know they're you know hurting injuries and whatnot, but just that's the only name that I see in here that um, that I would you know have any um, protest against. But other than that, I don't. I'm not too um, mad about any of these other decisions so far on the based on the, the fan voting. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think with the All-Star game, it's a bit foggy because you do want to just celebrate those players that are putting up the points and that are, you know, you know, the highlight reels. However, I agree with you. Like, winning is definitely not a priority when taking in fan votes, especially when fans are doing the voting. Um, I think a player that I didn't see on the list, he might be on it now, that I wanted to bring up was Vucevic. And only because he's probably having the best year of his career, putting up a lot better numbers than some of these players on that list. And, you know, Orlando's been plagued with injuries all season. And it'd be nice for him to get some recognition. So I'm pretty surprised that he's not on that list. I feel like there should be a case for Vucevic to be on there. Yeah, I think he'll he'll be one of the last few guys um, either voted in or left off that ballot. He's probably going to be battling against like Freddie Van Vliet, um, Zach Levine, Trey Young for some of those last last few spots. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to, I'm not sure how that like the, the all-star uh, voting goes with like positions. I'm not sure if the coaches will have to put in another center there or if they can just pick any seven, eight reserves for the all-star game. So I'm not too sure if that you know changes his odds. He's definitely having a strong year. Um, dropping 40 points here and there and just playing well offensively. Again, I don't think he... I wouldn't personally um, have him on the on the team just by looking at the, the rest of the roster for the Eastern Conference. But yeah, the Eastern Conference this year is actually more stacked than it's ever been. Oh, yeah, it's 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 heavily stacked. So that's why, again, it's going to be tough for a Raptor to make, make it with their record currently. Um, but I have no 
yeah, no qualms with, with any of these other picks. Want to just uh, spitball a couple of funny, funny people on this list. Um, Taco Fall, sixth in voting in the front court. Jesus. Jeez. Alex Caruso, sixth in voting in the backcourt for, for guards in the Western Conference. He has more votes than Fred Van Fleet. Yeah, it's nuts. That's <laughs> wild. Yeah, that's why that's why fan votes only I think they're like fifty percent of the of the actual weight. I think uh twenty five is the players vote and then the other twenty five is the coaches vote. Um so yeah, he's obviously not gonna make it. I see Andrew Wiggins on this list, which I like. I know Hilarious. he's not obviously a all-star, but at least he's getting recognition as a decent, um, you know, young player on a on a winning team now. So that's good to see him on there. Um, yeah, the East is stacked, man. Like even guys like Julius Randle, Jeremy Grant, Gordon Hayward, um, they're definitely in the discussion for. And an Gordon all-star. Hayward not may not be an all-star this year. Yeah, which, and he's playing really. He's playing well. out of his mind. Yeah, the Hornets are playing really well, so I'm glad. I'm glad to see him get some recognition after a few down years. Yes, sir. Well, I'm definitely going to watch the game. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens for uh, the lead-up because I have a feeling that there's going to be a couple players that are going to drop out and say, no way, this is this is too risky. Yeah, yeah. And it might have a domino effect, So, which would have a massive effect on the NBA's uh, mission to gather as much revenue as they can. Yeah, like um, uh, the NHL, they usually have guys that, if they don't feel like playing, they're not going to go to the game. I believe Alex Ovechkin one year said, "Yeah, I don't feel like going to the All Star game. I just want to, just want to like hang out with my family." And we we've, we've never really seen that with the NBA because you know there's only a limited amount of players that make the All Star game, and there's so much uh, pride and um, yeah, just guys value that so much, the experience and everything, and the camaraderie that you never see a guy drop out unless he's like severely hurt or he's resting up for the season. Um, so it, it will be surprising to see if guys don't go to the game and they're actually like a protesting it. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, a lot of last thing I want to say is a lot of the All Star Game is not so much about the game for the players as so much as it is about the recognition. Mm-hmm. And given the circumstances this year, I thought it would have been a cool idea if they just gave out an award for being an All Star this year. And I think for a player, it would have still had the same intrinsic value. Yeah. Like a player would have definitely um, reacted uh, a certain way if they weren't voted, you know, or if they were. And I think what they could have done is just have each player who was given the award, you know, donate to a charity, especially since like social causes are so big right now in the NBA and players want to use their voice. I think that that could have been an interesting pivot for the NBA because they're such a player-centric league and they're always listening to their players, I thought that maybe they could have done something like that. Yeah, no, there's definitely um, a lot of uh, negative feedback just on the decision, but we'll see how it goes. Maybe it does work out and hopefully nothing serious comes comes of it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we'll see. Um, anything else in the NBA that you want to just talk about? Anything that's trending, that's catching your eye? Um, like I said, it was a pretty entertaining week low-key for for the NBA yeah. a lot of PG matchups um, a lot of you know Raptors played the Celtics uh, the Lakers had a pretty heated back-to-back with the OKC Thunder who stood their ground um, what's catching your eye the one team I want to call out the my surprise team for I guess like the first third of the season um, is actually going to be a team that always flies under the radar and uh They've always had so much success as the San Antonio Spurs. 
Um, right now, what they are 15 and one, or sorry, 15 and 11, my bad, um, <laughs> not 15 and one. Uh, and they're sixth place in the Western Conference right now. And they're just quietly just building that case for themselves to um, be a lock and not to be a team in the, in the, uh, uh, the, the bubble, what we call it, 7, 8, 9, 10 seed, right? So uh, not the play-in game. So, you know, DeMar having a really solid, efficient year. You know, we always call them out for being in an efficient score because he doesn't shoot the three. Um, very streaky, but, you know, he's quietly averaging 25 and 7 on like 40% shooting, not shooting any threes, but just getting to the basket, playmaking. They have a lot of young guys on that team. Kelton Johnson's playing really well. Um, fun fact, Kelton Johnson was the Raptors pick that they traded alongside Jakob Perto, DeMar DeRozan in that first round pick. It's Kelton Johnson, and he's playing really well now. I believe this is his second year. He's averaging 14, 7, and 2 uh, as a sophomore. And I believe he was from UNC. Uh, but he's a, you know, a stud kid. Same with DeJounte Murray. He was hurt last year, so um, they definitely missed his like defensive uh, versatility. And again, he's a guy that's averaging 15 points, five assists, five rebounds, and you got like the vets like Rudy Gay, LaMarcus Aldridge, just you know providing that stability and that leadership there. So they're they're a young team. Again, they're not gonna win the championship, um, but they're still a team that just always flies under the radar. I know they missed the playoffs last year. So people are kind of forgetting about them. Even when they win championships, people still forget about them as an under-the-radar under team. So I'm glad to see them kind of still high up in the standings. They're probably hopefully going to make the playoffs unless they have a bad stretch of injuries here. Um, yeah, Pop always does a good job of preparing his players for, for the game. So I hope, I hope to see them. They're a nice surprise right now. Um, and that's, yeah, that's the one team that I wanted to give a quick shout-out because, again, no one talks about them. Uh, you know, DeMar's leading that team, and... Just he, he doesn't get too much praise right now just because of how stacked the West and East are right now. But solid team, and I think they'll, they'll do really well this year. Yeah, Pop has unlocked DeRozan in the most efficient way you possibly could. Mm. Um, he's playing out of his mind. And I actually wanted to mention San Antonio when we had Day on two weeks ago because they were actually third for like a couple days in the West. Oh, so really? They lost a game and they dropped to 13. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Like yeah. they're there and they're a no thank you team for me um, if I am if I have to play them in the first round. Oh yeah, hell no. Um, hell, hell no. no. I, hell I, no. I, that is, I'm trying to avoid them at all costs because um, one thing that Pop has shown, one thing San Antonio has shown is never count them out. Yeah, no for sure. Yeah, that's a great shout out. Um, the, the, I, didn't, I was going to shout out a team, but I decided to shout out a player. Uh, it's year 12. For Steph Curry. Wow. And he's playing like an absolute assassin. Um, he's actually averaging essentially the exact same stat line that he was averaging in his unanimous MVP season. Mm -hmm. And the Warriors are currently the eighth place in the West, separated by two games to be fourth. Yep. Um, big shout out to Steph Curry because he, I think the way he's playing is the definition of someone putting a team on their back. Draymond Green cannot hit the ocean. <laughs> Andrew Wiggins is very inconsistent this year, and he's essentially playing with a mishmash of players without Klay Thompson. Um, that one guy, for example. Yeah. Who is that one guy? <laughs> and so I just wanted Steph's to. Steph's teammate. That's yeah, I just wanted to bring up Steph Curry because I think that, and again, we spent a lot of time last week talking about the MVP race, 
And I believe that if the Golden State Warriors finish top four in the West, I think Steph Curry has to be a front runner for MVP. And I think Steve Kerr has to be a front runner for coach of the year. Um, Steph Curry so far this season has scored 150 points. And the only person to do that was MJ. In his last, set, in his last five games, he's averaging 37.4 points. 32, in the last five games, he scored 32 and 4, 32 and 7, 57 and 2, 28 and 3, and 38 and 11. I mean, I think that uh, we sometimes take his offense for granted, and I think an MVP case seriously needs to be made for this man. Yeah, I think so. Really, it depends on how well they do. If they're able to, yeah, get a hot streak and jump up to third or fourth, he will definitely get a lot of um, consideration. For MVP, it's just LeBron's playing really well. Um, even um, Giannis is playing well. They got Embiid is playing out of his mind too. There's just so many teams and guys, guys on really good teams that are top of the leaderboard in uh, in the standings right now. That it'd be tough for Steph to um, to win MVP. Even if he plays at this rate for the whole season, it really depends on how the other guys play. I know Kelly Oubre is playing a little better. Again, we come back to Wiggins and kind of his resurgence as a as a, a great young player in the league. I think he's just showing a little of everything right now. Um, and yeah, they just have a bunch of mishmash guys that, you know, Wiseman's hurt, uh, Looney's hurt, so they haven't had the full healthy roster, even without Kate or without uh, Clay. Um, so they'll be there. I think they'll they'll be like a six seven seed in in, in the in, uh, in the West. And Curry will probably make first team All NBA if that's a consolation prize for him because of how well he's playing. I hope he does. Well, he's current. Like in my opinion, he's currently the he's in the last say ten games. This guy's been the best player in the league. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, that's why I'm saying, like, what what are your thoughts if they finish top fourth in the West? You know, the guys that you mentioned that are in the MVP running. Think about who they have supporting them. Um, if they can finish top fourth in the top four in the West, uh, I think the awards. His for the taking. It is. Oh, he, he's, he's definitely a good candidate right now. And again, we know that the NBA loves the narrative. They love the storyline. If he's able to yeah, take this team of weird misfits, team of new guys, rookies, you know, um, younger guys that are new to the team, even guys that have never really won at this level and they're able to um, yeah, make a top four in, in the West and him shooting the same percentages getting the same numbers, I, I could definitely see him make a case for MVP. And he's doing everything, whether he's spotting up, pulling up, you know, coming off screens. He's literally doing everything and, and distributing the ball as well. Um, no, it, it's great to see because, again, they were such an uncertain team. I think when we were doing a preview, they were my biggest what if. Like, I, I thought they had a really high ceiling, but they also had a really low floor. Yeah. And, um, you know, it looks like these guys are trending in the right direction, all because of, of one guy. Yeah, so Draymond's playing really well now too. He's playing Draymond ball. Like, well, don't need a score, but he's still this guy's getting averaging like 10, 10, 15 assists in the last few games. Like, he's just he's playing like a baby Jokic. They're not, nothing without him. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he's he's a motor that um, that it's basically the engine with that that runs this whole uh, machine. So I'm just glad to see him play good ball. He doesn't have to score, man. You got guys like Kelly Oubre, got Wiggins, got Steph who, you know, are really good scorers and just play within your role. And he's playing it at such a high level that we haven't seen in a really long time from Draymond. 
In the in NBA history, the most games with five threes, Steph Curry, six threes, Steph Curry, seven threes, Steph Curry, eight, <laughs> nine, ten, eleven, and twelve threes, Steph Curry. <laughs> That's so wild, man. I love to see it though. I, I love to see that he's back. I know he had a injury-filled season last year. Only played like four or five games, but yeah, I think that's where that narrative kicks in. Yeah, he's back, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I would not be mad if he won. I'd be really happy to be got some recognition for the play that he's uh, doing now. Absolutely. Well, that's that's the only thing I wanted to highlight that that's sort of catching my eye right now. Um, Other than that, it's been it's been good talking with you, man. Yeah, for sure. Same. It was a very eventful two weeks, a ball, and you know we. We should definitely do an all-star type um, preview before they uh, they, have, they have that full roster. So let's let's try to do something with that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we just want to thank our listeners, as always. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to putting out new content, and we'll talk soon. Yeah, thanks, guys. Peace. Peace.